This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, my name is Derek Combs and I listen to the Blue Army podcast. Ooh, I'm going to have a go at that. Hang on. Hello, my name is Derek Holmes, and I listen to the Blue Army podcast. I reckon that was spot on. I reckon that was spot on. I reckon, all right, me marriage, how's it going? Welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. This is episode 28. I'm your host, Skelly, and we are not hanging around this week, ladies and gentlemen. We have a full full interview with Derek Holmes, that's right, former double promotion winning, English League Cup final going, (laughs) nomadic Scotsman Derek Holmes joins me once again and this time we go into more depth about his career outside of Carlisle and also give you lot, the listeners, the chance to ask him a bunch of questions. So yeah, without further ado, let's crack on with the episode and as traditional around here, we will start with the Blue Army podcast, Joke of the Week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the Blue Army podcast, Joke of the Week. Get in! It's the knock-knock edition. Get in. Here we go. Right, where's me knock-knock jokes? There they are, there they are. All right, okay. There's fruity-related, these ones. Here we go. Knock-knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock-knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana. He <laughs> Knock, knock. Oh, what's going on? You got a second joke, skelly lad. Oh, yes, I do. Knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Oh, we just had this joke. Orange, you go in to let me in. <laughs> right, beautiful. That's it. That's the Blue Army Podcast joke of the week. Knock, knock edition for this week. And we're not going to hang around. We're going to jump straight into the podcast, which is a full interview with Carlisle United legend, Derek Holmes. Thank you very much, Derek Holmes, for joining me for over an hour. You were happy to talk to us. You were free and breezy. The conversation was great. We had more insight than I could ever have imagined getting from an ex-pro. When I first started doing these ex-pro interviews, I thought it was going to be like getting blood from a stone. And Derek Holmes is the absolute opposite. If you have a podcast or indeed are thinking about running some after dinner speech sort of 
ex-pro night. So if anything like that, Derek would be a prime candidate to keep the people entertained. And uh, yeah, I couldn't recommend him highly enough. Not that that is necessarily what he wants to be doing. He wants to get back into football management as soon as possible. And I'm sure with his drive and determination, that is something that he will get to do at some point in the near future. So thank you very, very, very much once again for your time, Mr. Derek Holmes. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I really hope you guys, the listeners, enjoy this. We smashed our 400 followers target on Instagram this week. So hats off to you lot for giving us a follow and uh, just showing your support. Really appreciate that. And let's go onwards and upwards. And uh, yeah, good for us. Good for you. Thank you very much. And that's the end of the intro. Let's get on with the bloody show. Right, well, Derek Holmes is here joining us once again for the Blue Army podcast. How are you doing, Derek? How are you? Thanks for joining really us real. again. Really, real glad to be back. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, um, last time we spoke a little bit about Carlisle United football kits, and I'm wearing Carlisle United's newest away kit. Now, you criticised one of our away kits, the uh, the green deck chair kit. You didn't think much of it. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say this is a pretty nice shirt, the new Carlisle United away kit. What do you reckon to this one? No, it's very nice. Very nice. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, it's very plain. <laughs> you can't go wrong oh, with a bit. Nice. Of, yeah, you can't go wrong with a bit of black. I don't think. <laughs> uh, how have you been finding the Euros at the moment? Obviously, you must have watched England versus Scotland and kept an eye on Scotland. How did you think of Scotland's performance at the Euros? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think you've done well. I think obviously. The main aim was to to get back to the major championships, and the boys done that really, really well. Uh, but obviously, when you go into the tournament, you obviously want to take things further, and hopefully, they can progress a wee bit. But no, I think I think they were disappointing the first game. I think they played really well against England, which they had to do, or else I think England would have beat them quite convincingly. But uh, the last games a wee bit more disappointing because obviously we get the the draw at Wembley, then it gives you the the hope and hopefully but Croatia are a fantastic side, you know, and then you see going you know, on further on the tournament, Czech Czech Republic were really good as well. But and then you see England England have got an op- an opportunity now that I think personally I think they could go on and win, you know, so we just need to wait and see. Yeah, it's it's uh, waiting. The whole country waits in anticipation, definitely. Well, the whole of uh, this country. You're in Scotland at the moment, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still up, still up, up in Scotland, yes. So what I've started doing when I've been interviewing some ex-pros is that I've been asking them the same opening question. So I'm going to give you the same question, okay? So this is, having played professional football, that means you would have collected a number of core athletic attributes, such as strength, height, and agility. The list goes on. With that being said, in a world where football never existed and you could have played any other sport professionally, what could you imagine yourself playing? Oh, is this what I was good at, or, or would I see myself playing? Oh, uh, so you, was, was there an opportunity? Were you doing something at a certain age and you had to no, make no, a choice no, no, between that no, and football? Uh, or? <laughs> I, I, I like to play golf. That's maybe the, the, the obvious kind of thing. I, I tell you, I was, I, was, I was decent at table tennis. I was I was good at table tennis, but I don't think you could have made much of a career out of table tennis. <laughs> uh, I liked the game at snooker. 
to mm. be fair, but nah, I couldn't really see myself playing. If you were going to give me one or the other, I would, I'd like to have played golf. I've got my handicap down to eight, so I'll not be that now, but uh, eight was the lowest I got, so I'd like to have played golf. That's interesting, that, because you mentioned a lot of... Um... Solo sports there, no team sports at all. You you, you went for went for a list of sort of solo sports. That was quite interesting. Nah, maybe 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 could have got with, with the size and weight. No, I could probably say maybe rugby or something, you know. But nah, team sports. Nah, football. Just loved f- f- football, you know. Any other team kind of sport, rugby, other things like that. Nah, nah, just more and in, individual. Then you can't blame anybody. Then if anything goes wrong, it's just doing it yourself. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I got a bit of an ice-breaking question from one of our listeners called Paul Graham. Uh, he sent in a question that says, um, uh, Paul wants to know, what was the last gig that you went to? Obviously, COVID, it would have been a very long time, but what was the last gig that you went to? The last gig? I went to, was, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was a gig gig. I went to the, I went to, the year before all this, so we went to the went to Gibraltar for the MTV. Uh, it's not awards. It was the MTV Music Fest festival in Gibraltar. There were oh, wow. many bands there. You know, uh, Craig David was there. Tiny Temple was there. So that's the last you could say gig I went to. If you're going back, then if you're going back to gig gig. Oh, you're going back a long time. I'd probably say Oasis. I went to see Oasis. My wife's right into different, uh, going to see bands and that, but me, I was never really going to individual gigs, but no, Oasis was probably the last, last one I went to see. Are you surprised me there with the festival when you're mentioning names like Tiny Temper? I wouldn't have taken you for that kind no, of playlist. I tell you, I, I was probably... I'm not into anything like that. See, you go to festivals with like up here it's tea in the park or things like that. So when the opportunity arose to go over, I took it. Mm, well, I'll go or not go. But the thing that swung it for me was the weather because it was really, it was going to be warm. So I couldn't imagine myself sitting in a, a field and it's just not up my street. But when we went over, it was roasting. It was a, well, a weekend away, so went away for the weekend, stayed in a hotel, that was nice. So it wasn't like staying in a tent or anything, because that's not for me. I was just some of the bands were there. There was an, eight, an 80s stage as well, where, Jesus, who was there? I'm trying to think. Banana Rama were there. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> but you weren't camping. Back a wee bit then. You weren't, you weren't camping? You're not doing the camping experience? You're not no. down for that no. at all? No, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, nah. No, it's not. It's not for me. <laughs> you know, beautiful. I'll dive into your early uh, football career. In fact, really early before you even got signed, you grew up in a small Scottish town called Lanark with a population of around ten thousand. How does a young footballing talent from such a small town get noticed? What was it like when scouts were coming to games? What was the buzz? Was what did you? What were you aware of? And what age were were scouts coming to find you? Well, I played with a team, uh, team called Wish X Servicemans, and it was just basically players who were from really school. And they just played with school. We were, we were a good team. 
but I'd probably say I first got picked up when I was it was really through the school. Uh, I was fortunate that my PE teacher was a Rangers, was was involved at Rangers, and obviously when you're doing PE or playing football, and he took me into office and just asked me if I fancied getting to train with Rangers on a Monday night, and I says, yeah, obviously I would go in and see how it was, which is an unbelievable opportunity. But then when I started playing with the the boys club, I think it was more 13, 14 when it all kind of started off and playing, but we were never really aware that scouts were there. And we really just got told maybe the week after and then kind of spiralled from then where it was... I think at one point I was at Rangers on a Monday, Mother on a Tuesday, Hearts on a Wednesday, and it just it was just different clubs just asking you to go and train with them. And then eventually, I don't know, you probably heard in the Milk Cup. Uh, yeah. Hearts asked me, Hearts asked me to go to the Milk Cup, and I'd said yes. And then two days later, Partick Thistle asked me to go, but I already decided that I was going to go with Hearts. And then Hearts asked me to sign. And then the rest is history. I just sent my hearts and that's where the journey began. <laughs> so hearts was only uh, 30 miles down the road from Lanark. So where, was it a lot of commuting backwards and forwards? Were you putting digs? No, we were, uh, trying try to think. The first maybe month or so we were in and then we were putting digs. Just went and digs and just stayed there Monday to Friday and then went home at the weekends because we get loaned out to up here as to like a semi-professional club. I would probably say something the equivalent to say down your way, like Workington or something. Right. And we, we would get loaned out. And basically that was just a, what we call it up here is just to toughen yourself up, just get used to playing against men and different ages because obviously when you're growing up you play against people your own age and your own kind of age groups and things like that so just to kind of toughen you up so you've done that for two years and then came back so yeah we were putting digs and which was actually it was good as well because you get good bonding because it was maybe I think it was four or five when I was up there who all stayed and they came boys came from folk up and people came from all different areas so yeah it was good so um, you let slip uh, towards the beginning of the last podcast that one of your kids has been training with Rangers. Now, you're back in Lanark, yeah, I believe. You're based back in the Lanark area against... I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Wash at the moment, yeah. Ah, right, OK. So it's, it's still sort of a, a small populated area. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, did you lend... Did you, did you did you lend a helping hand getting him noticed, or is it something that like when somebody scores goals, they score goals and it gets noticed? Or how did that one go? Was that different to your experience? <sighs> oh, you're talking my youngest boy. My youngest boy, yeah, he's. It's just I don't think there's many people now come and watch it. I, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, he just got invited in and. It was just you get a phone call, or can mind there's another Kilmarnock. Well, obviously, my oldest boy he's at Kilmarnock, and when he got noticed, it was just basically they just came round. And just basically, when I was just really the same, they came and asked if you would be you would like to go and train with the club. And 
you just obviously it's it's a good opportunity. I always think it's a great opportunity. Uh, so I would say it's I don't, I don't I wouldn't say it's harder now, you know, to get noticed. But I don't think there's as many scouts going to as many games now. I think they I think we're years when I was younger that we were kind of going to watch maybe so many games in the weekend where I think they kind of go and pick and, pick and choose games up here now. It's more sort of like your your county cup finals and that sort of thing, maybe yeah. where they're going to get noticed. Yeah. So the opportunities are fewer and further between these days. You would you might say, yeah, I think as well as is that I think that people it's word of mouth as well. Where someone will say such and such is a good kid that plays for Wishaw, some such and such a kid is good that plays with Lanark or whoever it is, and then these people will go and watch, and then they might see someone else that they they like. So I think as well, if teams are doing really well, people will come and watch the teams that are doing well. Mm-hmm. So obviously as 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 their father and the next professional footballer, are you are you taking a step back and trying not to influence any decisions? Are you just wanting them to enjoy playing football at this age or are, are yeah. you are you worried about anything at all, maybe if 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 if, if there's any letdowns or anything like that along the way? No, I think, listen, they've got to enjoy it. They're still young. My oldest boy, actually, he he went full-time on Monday there to Kilmarnock because the school holiday, so they're in training every single day at the moment. But don't try and, you just try and guide them and just for what experiences I've had. And, uh, but they make their own decisions. See, if they don't want to do it, they don't do it. Like my youngest boy, he just wants to play with his friends now. Yeah. And he, and you can't really turn around and say, no, but this is a great opportunity. Because if it's, if they want to do it, they can do it. If you, if you force them into it, then they're just, not, they're just going to hate it even, even more. And then maybe one day they might pick it up and go back to it. Difference is, my oldest boy, he loves it. He He's dedicated to playing football, so... I don't really need to say much to him. He he gives me he gives me lectures now on the game. You know, <laughs> he tells if I say something to him, he just says it wasn't. It's, it's not like that anymore. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely in your day. It's not worth getting your head bit off sometimes. <laughs> no, no, so Brazil just being quiet sometimes because I try not to be too critical because it's easy to be critical. You know, you can you pick up the the mistakes of things, but I'm going to make mistakes. <laughs> I was making mistakes right up until I retired, so it's uh, it's just part and parcel of the game. Uh, the, the boy at uh, Kilmarnock, is he a striker like yourself? Have we got to look on the score sheet for him? No, 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 no. he's actually a goalkeeper. And oh, don't, right, don't okay. ask, don't don't ask how he became a goalkeeper. <laughs> but uh, no, he's not too bad. He's very disciplined. He's 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 uh, he's good. So they one end of the pitch to the other. So we'll see how he gets on. He's 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 in there every day, so he'll find it. He'll be finding it difficult training every day, but he'll enjoy it. <laughs> Someone decent for your shooting practice, then, eh? I bet that worked out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Bye. That's it. Maybe try and improve mine. <laughs>
So we'll go, we'll go back to you. We'll put the focus back on you, mate. Um, <laughs> at this stage, we've just said you sign your YTS contracts with Hart and you're going out on loan to these semi-professional teams. What do you think was the difference maker for you being one of the 0.01% of footballers that actually gets a professional contract? What was it for you that you think got you to that? Looking back, listen, there's a lot of luck involved in, 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 in f- football, being there at the right time and doing the right things at the right time. But I was always I was always willing to try and learn, whether it was in games. So you go out and loan, you learn, you get tougher, you get stronger. You've got to have a good mentality of picking the game up quickly. Uh, that's why I think they sent you out to these kind of semi-professional clubs because as I say they wanted to toughen you up not just physically mentally as well and obviously well you don't want to say obviously obviously there's a talent there that that the manager at the time can see so and then as I say you've got to be lucky so when obviously I played the two years and then I came back and then the manager had got the sack so Jim Jeffries had came in uh, as, as, as manager and as he came in, one day I think I got invited up to train with the first team and because maybe someone was injured or maybe they were short of numbers. And, and that's just how it kind of evolves, you know, just taking that opportunity where you've got that maybe 45 minutes to an hour to try and impress, even though you, you just think they're just going to make the numbers up and you do well. And the next minute, the first team are talking about you, the manager likes you, and then it just kind of, rises from there. Yeah. Um, so your time at Hearts was a little bit of a, a mixed bag of experiences. You played in the European Cup Winners' Cup against Real Mallorca, and you also went out on loan to Rafe Rovers, and forgive me, and please correct me, I don't know how to say this, it's Caldenbeth. 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 Yeah. Caldenbeth. Now, they're very different experiences, obviously going over to Spain and playing in the European Cup tournament and then going out on loan to very rural areas of Scotland, perhaps. How would you have summed yeah. up your time at Hearts? Um, the, the European Cup Winners' Cup must have been a highlight. What was what was that like when you heard that you were going to be involved in the team? Um, it's, it's, it was amazing, you know, to be involved in... A European comp- competition. There's not ma- there's no many people that that can say they've they've done that. And yeah, I think what ha- helped at the time was they were they were allowed seven substitutes, and two of them had to be under twenty ones. So regardless of who was going to be in the bench, they had to have two under twenty ones. But obviously. For myself and all the other young lads that were there, you still had to be doing well to be. You just weren't going to be put in the squad and in the bench if you weren't doing well. So, yeah, it was it was great. You know, I can I can mind that the first round that we played a team, FC Lantana, who we beat quite convincingly. We played them. We played them away first, then we played them at home, and I scored in the the home match. We won some like five or six nil. And then obviously Real Mallorca, who you were going over there and thinking back, you'd folk like Marcelino, who be- became a household name in Spain. I think actually Mallorca only won the tournament that year. That's how good they were. 
And funny enough, it was uh, we went over to Mallorca. There was a big hullabaloo because seemingly there was something wrong with the goals, and the game was going to get abandoned, and we were going to get put through. But somehow, I can vaguely remember it. UEFA delegate just says, "Nah, it's fine. Play the game." And I think we drew. Did we draw? I think I think we drew over there one each, mm. and we. Obviously, we lost at home one one nil, but a fantastic experience. But as you say, when going out loan to like a cow and beef and Wraith Rovers was also good because when you went to the kind of semi-professional clubs, you're taking that step up again to you're going to be playing first team foot football, albeit at lower level. You're still playing at a lower level uh, at, at, at a professional club, and it's day to day, and you're playing. Every Saturday, weekend, week out. So that that was that that helped me in good stead as well to play every Saturday. Obviously, all being you're playing well and training well. But I too, the Cowdenbeath was I was still young at the time, so that was a great learning curve. And then the Wraith Rovers one was, and I enjoyed that because I think after I came back to the Wraith Rovers game, I think I played the last game of the season. I'm sure I, I don't know. Maybe I never. Maybe that was the year before, uh, but uh, it, was, it was a good education, I would say. And I think a lot, of, unless you're exceptional, then I think it's a great learning curve for for young kids to go out and learn their traders. Is it? You definitely proved yourself as a footballer during those loan spells. You you had a very good goal scoring ratio at those times during that. Uh, were you training with Hearts and then just going on for the Saturdays at this stage? Was it still the same as your YTS sort of agreements, or were you training with the clubs and playing with the clubs when you were on loan? When I was at Cowdenbeath, I trained with Hearts every mm. day, bar a Thursday, and I had to go and train with Cowdenbeath on a Thursday night, and then I played the game this. Wraith Rovers, I just trained at Wraith Rovers because they were full time, so I trained there every 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 day. So and then played the game on Saturday. So to kind of because Ra- Queen of the uh, Queen of the South, Cowd and Beath were part time, so they would train on a Tuesday, a Monday night or a Tuesday night. They would train and also on a Thursday night. But I was allowed to train with Hearts on a Monday, and I would go and uh, train with them on a Thursday night and play the game on Saturday. So after being released by Hearts, which was your first professional football club, what was going through your mind at the time? Did you get uh, a little bit nervous or were the offers sort of flying in? Because you've already proved yourself at a certain level during those loan spells. No, I didn't really get... I I was playing in the reserves with Hearts and Mm. we played a game at Aberdeen and uh, the manager, Neil Cooper, who was manager of Ross County, he he asked me if I'd be interested in going up to Ross County because it was kind of, I think Hearts at the time were in the middle of getting bought over. So I went and spoke to the manager, uh, Jim Jeffries, and he says obviously Hearts had, at the time had I think three or four decent strikers. So he says he says it was up to me whether I wanted to go, but in the end up. Ross County ended up buying me for something eighty thousand pound or something. Oh, sorry, but, I missed that. Uh, it was it was probably at the time. Maybe I would say at the time I would say it was the right decision. And then when I went to Ross County, 
as you'll probably hear, I probably made the wrong decision because I didn't enjoy, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it at Ross County, it just didn't work out and then it started well and then Ross County got into a bit of financial difficulties and then I can always remember the manager, I, I, I'm not saying I didn't not go on with the manager but we had a difference of an opinion with certain things and he just wanted me to leave, so that's that's how that came about at Ross County, and then I got uh, I got the move to Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean you covered a lot there, to be honest. So I'll skip forward to Bournemouth. <laughs> um, it's a huge move. Um, I, I couldn't count the amount of miles that go between Ross County and Bournemouth, but it's a huge move for the whole family what? at this stage. What was it that? Made you want to go to Bournemouth? Did you hear about the interest? Was there somebody that you knew there already? Was what? Because it's a it's a big long move. Yeah, to be fair, I, as I says, I sat down. With, I, sat, I sat down with the manager at Ross County one day after training. I can remember it as clear as day. We sat down, and obviously he says to me, and I would always say this in these in nice terms. He says to me. Club's obviously about a financial, and we see you as one of your saleable assets. Which says to me, we want you at the club. So I went right, no problem. So, my, obviously, my agent and it, people, things got spoken to, and it was just basically I got I can I can always mind the manager pulling me in and saying to me, "Is is anything happening?" Is, is there anything and I say there's maybe one or two things coming up and then on the I'm sure it was a Tuesday I says to him I've got the opportunity to go to Bournemouth for a week's trial and he says right no problem and he says but you're still, I was still to train with the first first team and how it always worked I can always remember and that, that weekend training I was outstanding outstanding but I was never involved in the game on the Saturday so I was flying down to Bournemouth on the Sunday. And the reason the Bournemouth came about was, I don't know, do you remember a man, Peter Grant, who played with West Ham? He's now manager of them firmly. So anyway, Peter's, Peter's from up here, but he spent a lot of time down in England. He, he was good pals with Alan Pardew. So anyway, he's a... He's, I've spoken to him, and I'm going down there, and the manager, obviously... Is uh, Shona Shona Driscoll, okay. And the first team at Ross County, they get beat on the Saturday, three or four nil. Bear in mind, I, I, I was exceptional in training, but I was never involved because he knew I was going away. So anyway, I was flying down and I was flying to Bournemouth on the Sunday, and my mate, one of my mates, teammates, phoned me says, "Do not answer your phone." I says, "How's that?" He says, "Because the manager's going to phone you and tell you you can't go." Because he, because you've been beat, he wants you to be involved <laughs> with the with Ross County. And I says, no, no, I'm going down. And that's how the Bournemouth came. So I flew down to Bournemouth. <laughs> we each trial, like, trial like everything else. Played a game against Swindon. And then Bournemouth said to me, they want to sign me, but they want me to take me on loan to begin with until we can sort out a contract. And I, it sounds terrible, but I was on loan for three months, sorting out this contract. <laughs> and 
it feels as if we couldn't get anywhere, but in the end, the end up only took a matter of minutes to sort out of a contract. So, but when I went to Bournemouth, it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was that was a, a good, cl- a great club, and had great, great times. Met some amazing people, and uh, it was it was probably for such a lost cross county kind of. As they say, it gave your mojo back to to start playing football against a great club. Well, yeah, you did go on to sign for Bournemouth after a loan deal. You made over a hundred appearances yeah. for the Cherries, and you played alongside Cherries legend Eddie Howe uh, for a while. I think he had two spells there while you were there. Did you have any kind of relationship with Eddie? Did he, did he sort of show glimpses that he was had a managerial brain, a uh, potential England manager in the future, sort of uh, ego maybe? Never. <clears throat> Great. First and foremost, what a player. Okay. He, was, he, he could read the game so, so well. Eddie was not the toss for a defender, but uh, he, he could read the game so well. He could as I say, he was quite small for us, but he could jump. So, yeah, and then I think got his move to Portsmouth, but unfortunately, he had a couple of bad injuries with his knee, but came back. But tell you something, no one knows. Eddie was, I was supposed to go back earlier to tell you about sports. Eddie was actually my table tennis partner. We used to, <laughs> we used to have table tennis tables. And he, Eddie, Eddie was my partner. And Eddie was decent at table tennis as well. But no, Eddie was a uh, Eddie. Eddie was a good, good player. Did I see him becoming manager or coach? Nah, I never seen him doing that. I'd, obviously, it was something that was in his mind, and you can see him. But his attention to detail as a coach and a manager, you can see that as he was as a player. He was, he was, he was top, top player. Yeah. Um, obviously, after your time at Bournemouth, you made the switch to Carlisle, and we've covered quite a lot of that stuff in the in the first interview that we did together. And thank you very much for your time on that one. So I don't want to repeat anything we've already been over. I'm going to pass over to the listeners who have sent us in a couple of questions. And this is a question from Eric Barton. Eric Barton wanted to ask: When you moved to Carlisle in the January of 2005, that was around the same times the city was affected by a huge flood that devastated the town. Did that in any way affect your transfer? Did you maybe have a house that you were going to move into that got ruined and things got delayed, or because the Brunton Park offices were ruined, things got slowed down? And did you think maybe it might get in the way of the deal? No, I don't. I think my time of coming, I think the kind of major part of the floodings were kind of over with. Because I can mind travelling up on a Wednesday morning and everything was kind of away. I can mind signing in the porter cabins that were on the left-hand side. The dressing rooms and that were, were kind of, weren't finished, but it was, it was just a working progress, let's say. And the pitch was horrendous. Mm. You know, and the pitch was just horrendous. But no, I never, I never ever. When I can, I stayed in the hotel for three weeks, three, three or four weeks. When I, when I, when I first came up, I stayed in the hotel for four weeks. So I hadn't decided where I was going to stay or anything. So yeah, it was because I don't know if I touched on this the last time. It was such a. 
such a quick, quick transfer. As I say, I can always mind playing in the FA Cup and then maybe just after. I was talking to Simmel and then it just happened also quickly. Maybe a week later, I, I was up there and I'd signed, met Fred. And, you know, you know, football's like the next day you're in training and then that's you. You're, you're part of the new club and you're training and the, the rest is history. Well, Fred's story is a little bit of a, a local legend around here. And um, it, for the club, he did wonders. He, he really put some investment behind the team and, and behind the infrastructure of the whole place. How involved, uh, how many times would you see him on, on, on the weekly basis? Was it just sort of like walking past in the hallway? How, how much was Fred actually around the club? Thinking back on a day-to-day basis, very, very rarely you would uh-huh. see him. Very really on match days you would see him every, every Saturday you mm-hmm. would see him, but no Fred as you say a local legend at the time <clears throat> he done he done absolutely magnificent for the club and you can't take it for 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 what he done you know he, especially in my time there he kind of a lot of people say he put his money where his mouth was he put a lot of finance back into the club, the community. And, you know, I think in the end, he got his, his Josh Awards. We got promotion in the end. It was a bit for you guys as well as us. It was a wee bit nerve-wracking, as you mean. The semi finals was probably more nerve-wracking. I've actually <laughs> watched it. I've actually watched the rerun it again. And it's brilliant. You can't actually... You can't actually... It's like a film. It's like, honestly... When you see, like when you're obviously the game that night, you don't expect be that game, and then you watch the penalties. You think, how did that ever, how did that ever happen? You know, there was Stephen. They've got what two chances to, to go through, and Marty saves the two penalties, and ach, it's just a fairy tale. And as you say, but Fred was, if anyone deserved the success at the club for what they'd put into the club, was you would you, you would say it was him. Yeah, brilliant man, brilliant man. Um, James Walker wanted to know um, what was the best experience, either winning promotion via the playoffs or winning promotion as champions. Oh, winning the, the two different experiences, but you would say winning as champions. For one, you never. I I don't know. You can maybe or the people you speak to, no one ever, ever thought that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we had a very, very good side and we had a very good uh, togetherness. You know, we were all mates. We were all, like, we were just right down the earth guys, you know. It was such a good dressing room. And I know a lot of people will say that, Regardless of every club, because every dressing room has its has its benefits, and everybody gets home. But the dressing room at Carlisle was was unbelievable. You know, we'd get in the morning, we'd have a laugh, we'd go and play t- uh, we'd go and play head tennis together. Boys would go to the gym. We would just hang about, and it was such it was it was good. And as the season went on, there was always that kind of belief where it could come, it could come. And then obviously 
I think it was the Mansfield, was it the Mansfield game? We went down there and we took an unbelievable support. And then, obviously, I think we we messed it up a wee bit. I think it was Torquay at home. We lost 3 nothing. Then we went to Rochdale <laughs> on a Tuesday night. And uh, we managed, I think we drew, didn't I think I think we drew, but no, I would... If, if you go see and win the championship because it's it's a I think it's it was a 36 games it's a 36 38 game season and you've got to go and keep going and keep going and keep going where I know you've got to do that and then do the playoffs the playoffs well especially our playoffs was very dramatic it was it was it was a bit surreal you could never script it but I would always say the Winning the championship was better <laughs> for me. I don't know what you would say. What, what would you say? Would you say? I mean, as a fan, the championship, or, or as a fan, would you, do you like the drama and the, the highs and the lows, the emotions going through the playoffs? But it's different in retrospect. It really is different in retrospect because looking back, you love the playoffs more. But in the moment, it's winning the title that matters more. Like being the top of the league matters more at the time. But looking back, it's all about the memories. So it yeah, it has to be the playoff. Well, you, you guys will have different memories to, to likes of myself because as fans of the club, you're gone. I mean, especially the playoff days, you'll wake up, you'll be buzzing, you'll be travelling down, it'll be everyone will be such a, a roller coaster. Yeah. The likes of myself, us being in a hotel, we're waking up, we're going for a walk, mind on the game. It's it's totally different. Until that final whistle is blown. I suppose it's the same with fans as well, I suppose, but like so, until that final whistle is blown and then you win, it's, it sinks in then, it sinks in. I mean, you don't you don't celebrate as much when you score as what you guys would do. You just, <laughs> it's like a job to us, you know, we like job, we'd use a, you're sitting, you're shouting at us, you're slagging us, then you're loving us, then you're hating us and then it, you go through every emotion, you know, in 90 minutes and, I don't think folk realise that players, we just have to focus and go on with a job in hand. As I always say to people, I mean, if somebody asked me a question, I can always mind years ago, the Millennium Stadium, we lost when we played Swansea. I think it was 60,000 there or something in, in the, in the I think it was Johnson Paints, Millennium Stadium. And as a player, you can hear the manager shouting from one end of the pitch to the other. You can hear him shouting, you can hear his words, you can hear players shouting at you. Although sometimes you don't want to hear certain players shouting, uh, <laughs> you can hear everything. So I can, I can see different types of emotions. <laughs> I've got another uh, listener question here for you, mate. This one's from Philip Hogg. He wants to know, with yourself playing up front, what other four players would you put in your Carlisle United 2006 era five-a-side team? I'm playing myself. Yeah, yeah, you've got to play yourself. This, that, that was in the question. That's what Philip said. So I've got another. How many players did you say there are five? Yeah, you've got four. If you're playing and four. we're playing five aside, yeah, you've got, got four. I've got to have a goalkeeper, haven't I? So I've got to have a goalkeeper. So mm. it's tricky. I like this. We had two one. great goalkeepers, Demi. We had two uh, great goalkeepers with Westy and we had uh, Matty. You know, and Westy, for obviously, Westy was involved in the championship season, wasn't he? And Marty, see, Marty, virtually, Marty did get us to the playoffs final. Oh, that's a hard one. I'll come back. <laughs> I'll go for Westy because he was younger. Okay. 
Gabriel Ashford goals. I would have Kev Gray in there because there's no much getting past Big Kev, is there? No chance. So there's one. So I'll you two more players. <laughs> right, I'm going to go oof, back of creativity. Um, you've got to have a wee bit of magic in there. So, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to, midfield with some good midfielders. Got to have a midfielder. I'm going to put Bridgie in there just, just behind myself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no, I'm going to put Carol Holly in there. Oh, why is that? Why that, did you pick him over Bridges? Because Car- the low bridge you could finish. Carol was an unbelievable finisher. The hitman. Yeah. Unbelievable finisher. Yeah, Carol. Was. Yeah. She'd probably take myself out and put Bridge in, you know. <laughs> you still Midfield. Got room. Go on, you still got room for one more. I've only got one more, have I've got one more. That's it, that's it, with yourself. Yeah, you've only got one and more. I, and if I put Bridge in it, it's, it's all out attack. Big Kev could be struggling a wee bit. He's going to outscore your opponents. <laughs> yeah, we're just all out attack, aren't we? So... Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to put Lomi in there. Lomi, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I'd put Lomi in there because he's got a wee bit about him, and yeah, he's he's just Lomi was actually an all rounder, wasn't the fastest in the world, but he could, uh, he's he'd, 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 he'd a wee bit of everything. So, mm, goalie, yeah, yeah, I'm, goalie I'm Westwood. Stuck, yeah, I would go with Westy, Big Kev, yeah. yeah. Mommy, Carol, and myself. I think that's a formidable side. I'd like to see that in the Masters League. That'd be good. <laughs> well, if it ever comes around, then we're, we're available for selection. <laughs> I'll be on the blower. <laughs> uh, Dale Handyside was asking, during your time living in the city of Carlisle, where were some of your favourite places to go? Uh, did you maybe have like a place that you go for a walk or maybe a favourite pub or something like that? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> just when we finished training, we just kind of, I just kind of messed about about the stadium, and yeah. then just went home, and then and then just just went home. See, I never, I never, I can't, I can't even remember because I stayed outside. I st- I stayed I stayed kind of over the border. When we stayed down, I can't even remember where the 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 flats were. <laughs> it's <was> terrible. <laughs> oh, but, the uh, stories flats were they? Were they next to the the Royal Mail building? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Dixon's that's chimney. Next, yeah, next to the yeah, they're nice then. <laughs> so the the he had nice ones there, but I can always mind one he gave. Can you mind Kevin Harper signed on one from Stoke? Uh-huh. Yeah, we gave him a flat, and I mean, we stayed there one night. And it was absolutely unbelievable. And we're saying, "How did you manage to get this flat?" Half was a unit. Get, <laughs> uh, but nah, when I stayed in the hotel, never really went out either. Never just went about the town, just just going up, wandering about up the train station, wandered just just about. But when you think back. It was we were always just doing something. There's a lot, a lot of games, so nah, I can't really say. I think that in all the times I was there, I think only I had two nights out there as well. 
No. I mean, I, we, had, we had Jason Price on recently and he talked us through his footballer's schedule, which is pretty much training followed I, by I understand, but remember gaming. we were winning championships then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, fair dues. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did get relegated with Pricey around. Yeah. You know... <laughs> No, that does make sense. That does miss it. I'm moving swiftly on away from that one then. Uh, Nathan Linney was asking, uh, when you went away for the Ibiza pre-season tournament, who did you share a room with? And is there a story that maybe you could tell us that you remember about the Ibiza tournament, something funny from the pre-season tournament? Who did I share a room with? Oh, now you're asking. <laughs> right. I'm sure it was Glenn Murray. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it was Glenn. Ah, I'm sure it was Glenn Murray. Because you don't have a regular person. Shared, yeah, yeah. He was my roommate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Glenn. Stories. No, because do you know what? It was a, a dead fear because we stayed in the. Can't mean the name of the hotel, but it was right next to Cafe Mambo. No, 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 Cafe the Sunset Bar or something. But mm-hmm. we were never allowed out. We weren't allowed out at all. Uh, we got allowed out in the last night for three hours. So there was nothing. We would train in the morning, then we would train in the afternoon. And we were allowed a bit of downtime. But even when there was games at night, we would train in the morning as well. So we were never, we weren't allowed out to do anything there. So stories-wise, nah, there's obviously, a, I think there were a couple of days we were allowed a wee bit of time down on the, on the beach, but there was nothing, nothing crazy. We weren't allowed to drink, we weren't allowed to do anything like that. So it was kind of very, because obviously it was still pre-season and the games, to be fair, it was it was very warm. And, all, and I always mind it. It was, it was a good wee tournament. It was a strange tournament, thinking all the way to Ibiza in San Antonio for a tournament in the middle of July. You couldn't have thought anything worse for a footballer, could you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It was it was good. It was it was it was it was interesting, put it that way. Was there a good bit when of folk are, out when, there? Folk are, when you're when you're out swimming in the sea in the morning and there's folks still partying next to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was interesting. I okay. always made there was once we were we were sitting swimming in the sea. I think we played the night before and we were swimming in the sea. And if I can recall, there was there was a group of people still partying at the beach with music blaring, and you're saying to yourself, Wow, we are actually training here and they're partying. That was Scumforp. That was the Scumforp, lads. That's what, that was the well, I could have been Neymar, I could have been Neymar, but nah, Neil, Mac, Neil, Mac, Neil, Mac, Neil McDonald never let us out. That's it. I mean, you did you did mention on the last podcast that he didn't want to go. It wasn't his obligation. It was something Simpson set up before Neil McDonald came in. So it does make sense. He, he was strict while he was out there. It does make sense. Yeah. Um, Adam, well, he's he, just come in as the manager. He just he, he just come in as manager as well. So he, he's got to set down a marker. He's got to set down. You know, if you come in and then you see it as a jolly, you know, you're obviously it's party preseason. It's party the season ahead. Let's let's say so. It's getting into good good habits. Yeah. Um, Adam Teasdale asked, uh, if you had your time again, uh, would you have signed for Chester? And he also has a follow-up little question, uh, which was, did you ever get a phone call from Celtic Nation? 
yes to the second yeah. question. Okay, okay. To the, we'll second, talk about... to the second question. I did get asked about Celtic Nation. Yep. What I went and that? played. I went and played a couple of games that were up in Scotland because it was Willie McStay that was taking it, and it wasn't for me. No. <laughs> no. I kind of, I kind of knew the. I kind of knew the outcome. Yeah, that's right. Coming with, 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 uh, just we have them, and you hear of them, and you kind of know. Uh, would have sent for Chester. No, no, I wouldn't have. No, nah, if, if you gave me the chance, the opportunity again, no, 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 nah. fair Listen, enough. I say, I say, I say, I mean, Bournemouth was good, and I say it was an unbelievable time in, in my life, but Kaleo, they two seasons. Listen, the, under Neil McDonald, as much as I didn't play as much, it was still a great club to be around. It was still the same bunch of lads, maybe one or two uh, extra different players, different personalities. Your Danny Graham's of the world coming in, Paul Thurwell and that coming in, but still a good bunch of boys. Did you, you, did know you ever get to the stage with Chester where they told you how much money that you were going to be on or anything like that? Yeah. Did you ever, did you, yeah. Did you, yeah, so you heard yeah. all that all that conversation oh, as well, yeah? Okay, I, I, I just wanted the, to ask. I got, I, got, I got to the stage where Carlisle had accepted a bid uh-huh. and the wages and all that had been discussed and I just, as I said to you before, I think we've and yeah, that's one only time Fred looked a bit disappointed in me when I've turned it down. <laughs> but it just, I just felt, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel, just maybe one or two things. It just didn't, didn't feel right. And then even then, I don't know. Obviously, you can never say never, but it, it was the right decision. It was the right decision to make at the time, you know, because we. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we, Kaleo had maybe if we could if the club could have went any further than where it was, but uh, no, it was, I would. I wouldn't have signed for. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have signed for Chester now. Nah. <laughs> Good. Daddy Livesey might have, but you wouldn't have. On Simon Grand, but you didn't. <laughs> um, Liam Peacock wants to know where did you do your training badges? Different now, isn't it, Danny. Mm. It's still there now, yeah. My my coaching badges, uh done my B done my B at where was it? Still in university and the A license I have done mine at it's here at Watt University, which is where all the, the SFA coaching badges are done now up in here at Watt University. Oh, okay. Where Harps is. Was there anyone recognizable in the class other than yourself? <laughs> and mine. Yeah. Who done the license for me? James McFadden done it with me. Oh, Charlie cool. Adam done it. Charlie Adam done it with me. Darn Darn a day done it with me. Oh no, what's his name? He played with Khalil as well. Oh no. Oh my days. <laughs> Scotsman. Yeah, you'll remember him. It came from Falkirk, I'm sure. Uh, Richie Foreign. Richie Foran. Nope. Richie's Irish. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so we Rory Loy. Left side. L- Roy I. Oh, That's yeah. Rory Loy. He done mm. it with me. 
Uh, any other bigger names? Any other bigger names? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It was James. It was. That's all I can remember the now. But I uh, they, they were in my actual section. Like uh, they boys were in my section because when you go and do your licenses, there's so many people on the on the course, so you get split up into three groups. So Charlie, James, they were all in Machina. Darn the day, they were all in Machina uh, section. Wallow Flood, I mean, Wallow Flood, who played with Man City. Yeah, yeah. Wallow Flood was there. So, uh, listen, it's, they're, they're, they're good courses. So hopefully you can get something out of it. You can plug this, maybe get me a, a job at Carlisle. I'm know? trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'll, I'll push you in Penrith if I need to, mate. I'll get you a job. <laughs> uh, I've got to listen. It's a good start. If there's a manager's job there at Penrith, I'll come down, no problem. Absolutely. It's a good setup down there. Uh, do you have another 10 minutes, Derek? Are you all right? Listen, as long as you like, don't worry about it. Oh, thank you so much, mate. Until, until you get bored. Until you get bored. <laughs> I'll keep you going, mate. It'll be dark outside. We'll be talking in bed. <laughs> right, so that's... Following on, following on from the uh, the management badges question, there, um, you've just obviously already said that you're planning on uh, going back into management when when the possibility and the opportunity comes along. What what's that like? How do you look for management jobs? How far are you willing to travel for jobs? Does it depend on where the club is in terms of league stature to how far distance you're willing to travel? How does it work in in your brain? How do you figure it out? I just think it's got to be right. Uh-huh. You know, it's got to be right. You've got to get a good feel for it. It's got to be right for yourself. It's also got to be right for the club. Uh, Distance-wise, again, obviously, it's got to be right for the family. You know, financially, you would say, depending on where you're going, you know, obviously, there's, there's ceilings to different clubs that they can give you. But, no, it's just all about the opportunity. If you get the opportunity, then hopefully you can take the opportunity and you can and you can rise and and just grow. You know, it's it's all about being given the opportunity and hopefully whether it's getting as a, a coach, an assistant manager or a manager, then yeah, it'd be it would be ideal to 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 get that opportunity. Because some- especially especially when you say things like you Penrith and things like that but someone like myself you would like to think you could bring a great obviously you've played with Carlisle so so you know the area the area is obviously it's in and around there and you can bring a lot of experience and I think experience as a player stands in good good stead because you know a dressing room you know you know what it's like myself a winning dressing room a winning mentality dressing room where you've won league championships you know what it's like to go the distance you take different bits from managers that you have learned from Samo, Neil McDonald Shauna Shauna Driscoll so I think uh, but again back to what you're saying I think you've got it's got to fit everything else is is irrelevant but it's got to be good for both both parties it's okay saying one the club want you, but if it might not be right for yourself for one reason or another, it might not be footballing, it might be where it is or something. But it's I'm open to all offers. <laughs> what sort of what sort of style of football is your is do you like to employ when you're in a team? What's your what's your style of management or tactics? For me myself, obviously we're playing a striker. You like to play attacking foot football. 
you know, because obviously being a striker, you like to you like to obviously attack and score goals and but you've got to be cautious as well. So I like to excite in football and I suppose everybody's the same, they want to bring in, they want to be like the, the Barcelona's of the world, the Man City's of the world, but I think you've got to play at your players' strengths. You know, you might might not have the type of players that like when you say I played with Carlisle. Their strengths, although we were good at past and that, but the ball gets played up front. If the ball, we had that option of playing the ball long because of someone like myself or someone like Glenn or, you know, even Bridget was decent in the air, although he was technically very, very, very good. So I think it all depends on the players you've got until you maybe bring in your own players yeah. that you see is your type of way of playing. But again, another side as well is, the way you play or the way you want to play might not win you games. So you might need to play a certain way to win your games. And I think that's what the game's all about, isn't it? Winning, winning football matches. And if you're winning, then I think you would keep, <laughs> I would say 90% of your fan base happy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think many people complain about winning. Uh, I've, the last question from one of the listeners comes from Chris Graham. He is asking, who was the best player you have ever seen in a Carlisle United shirt? Me. Yeah, good, good, yeah, good, good answer. That'll no, good. <laughs> no, no. I've seen, I've seen player. I mean, define, define best player in them. when I when I played geez, you know they were all good as I said to you Bridget was was technically good Lummy was good I mean it's hard to it's hard to separate one from one person from a group of lads who were who were very 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 good I would say you know so I mean they all had that they all had their attributes as well if you ask certain people certain questions, like I think Peter Murphy would say himself. Yeah. <laughs> Murphy's, uh, Lummy would say himself. Yeah. So, but no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't individually pick someone out. If you know what I mean, they were all all good, good boys. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the listeners' questions have been very decisive questions, the sort of questions that I like to try and avoid when I'm doing an interview, but they seem to like to try and pin pin the footballers down to certain, you know, making them decide between certain people there. Well, it's, like when you, it's, it's, like, it's like when you talk to kids, they just want to know how much money you have. Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, any, qu- any questions, and they turn around and say, how much do you make? And he's, and no, and that's awkward, you know. They're not shy, you know. And, you know, and we had to do that every Tuesday. We were at Carlisle, we had to go to schools. Yeah, yeah, you were very good in the community, the Carlisle United team. They did the fan days, and that's where that's where I would have. You won't remember it, but that's where I met you for the first time. Was was at a fan day? We got a picture. I can't remember that picture. No, I'm, I can't I mean, remember that picture. You would have done a hundred that day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Chris you know, Chris Billy just didn't want to turn his turn his back either. He was nervous that something was happening behind him in the picture. I think <laughs> he kept giving us looks. Uh, the club were the, the, the club were very good for in and around. The, I'll, I'll give them that. As I say, every every Monday or maybe I, I don't know every Wednesday, 
Saturday, whenever we were in, there was a sheet went up and we were told which schools we had to go to on a Tuesday after training. So they were good that way. And I think they gave tickets out to the schools as well and things like that. So I think, I think I don't know if they still do anything like that, but no, at that time when I was there, it was, uh, they, were, they, were, they were very good. I have to ask you now, because if I didn't, there would be 100 comments in the comments section. Uh, yes. What's the latest update on the reunion, Chris Lumpston WhatsApp group? Has it gone quiet? Has, Chrissy, has Lummy dropped the ball there? Or is there any more information? No. Well, we got a, a message saying that the first team are meant to be playing, as you probably know. I don't know if the first team are meant to be playing. Then, I don't know if it's all changed because... There was something the other day. I'll forward you the messages and you can probably make it out for yourself. Okay. Uh, I didn't really make it myself whether they were wanting us to play again, but he did mention that there's maybe four or five teams. Didn't mention any teams. He's been offered the chance to play four or five games against different teams to see if we were up for it, to try and make it maybe once a month or maybe whatever. I don't know. But the, the last about the game we were meant to be playing... It was, he texted us all, well, put on a group chat saying that they were the first team I might be playing them in a pre-season friendly. Okay. And then as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. As far as, as far as, as far as I'm aware, the now, I think it might be us again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What I'll do is I'll forward you the text that they've put in and, and you can make it out for yourself and you can let me know what you think because I'm, Sometimes you read all the messages, they say something, then we just start slagging each other, and then <laughs> it just kind of goes off the beaten track. That's it. It takes all but day like, to scroll through and find the actual information uh, you need. You don't hear it. You don't hear anything for weeks, and then you get a month's worth on on and an hour. That's it. That's it. That's why my WhatsApp's constantly on mute, mate. Constantly on mute. But obviously, <laughs> after your time at Carlisle United, you made the move to Rotherham. We spoke about that a little bit on the last podcast, so I'm going to push straight past Rotherham. And you went back to Scotland and signed for St. Johnston. Now, again, referencing the last podcast, where we spoke about you signing for Carlisle, it was a little bit under the cosh of the missus. The missus wanted to go back up to Scotland, and that was maybe the compromise that the two of you came to. Was this the moment that the foot went down and it was like, we're going home? <laughs> Yeah, I was told to go home. Yeah, I was told uh, <laughs> because I was staying down in Leeds myself, and uh, I got told she fell pregnant with my second kid, oh. and I was just told to go. I was just told to go home. Just yeah. said, you need to come home. No I can mind it as day I was at Tesco's, and I just got told you need to come home. <laughs> so that's what happened, and then. It kind of worked out a wee bit because we're, at, we're doing really well at Rotherham, but the club ended up getting into administration, so it, it kind of worked out in a way because if it didn't work out, that kind of it would have been harder to leave, you know, because, again, I enjoyed my time there, but we had formed kind of an administration and things kind of going backwards, then it kind of helped both parties, to be fair, when I, I decided... I just asked the question. They, they none because at the time I can remember when we first were in administration. Uh, Nigel Clough tried to say me, but Albion, mm -hmm. uh, and that just didn't interest me. 
for one no. reason or another. So uh, I ended up going back home and I get, as you say, I signed for St Johnston and had good success up there. Well, you spent the remainder of your career after that in Scotland and um, you finished at East Fife. What was it that was the final, that's it, I'm done, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all right now, I've had enough of the football? Or, or was it was it not your choice? Was it an injury or something that forced you out? Oh, as I say, when I was at Airdrie, I thought it was time then. And then I got a phone call to go and play with Broth. It was my, my mate who was the manager. He says, do you fancy coming up and playing one season? And I says, right, I'll come up and play. It was part-time. I says, right, I'll come up and play. Went up and played for a year. And to be fair, I enjoyed it. I don't know if the, I was more relaxed. I, I don't know, but I enjoyed it. But at the end of that season, I knew it was, it was kind of time. And then I got a phone call maybe in the September or October to see, it was Gary Naismith asked me about uh, East Fife and to be fair I was only there for three or four games and I thought I got him training I played a few games and I scored a few goals and things and, and I enjoyed it but I knew you just know a lot of foot, footballers will tell you you just know when the body says listen it's done it's 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 the it's hard graph to be fair a lot of folks say ah but this you're running about you're enjoying it but if you say you're running about every day for, well, 15 years, yeah. you know, it takes its toll. And you just know, your body knows it's done. And, you know, at that level, you just know you can't do it no more. The brain wants you to do it, but the body says it can't harm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I've been looking around everywhere trying to find your actual goal tally at the end of your professional football career. And I've found conflicting numbers did you did you get to the hundred mark, Derek? Hundred and one. Yes, brilliant. How did that feel? How did that feel to get the hundredth goal? That must have been a special moment for you. I was a broth against Air United. No, it wasn't here. Can't remember, but I can't remember who it was. It was well, we were both. Oh, it was always good. You know, it's listen. To say you've scored over a hundred, you say over a hundred goals, a hundred ones. So it is really over a hundred. To say you've scored a, over a hundred goals at professional level is it's pretty decent, you know. Yeah. For for me, I wasn't a goal scorer. I wasn't. I was. I scored goals, but I wasn't an out, out goal goal scorer. So, ah, it's it's, it's it's a it's, it's a great achievement. That's yeah. that's what I think. You know. Oh, absolutely. Did you, not, did you not make yourself a nice little T-shirt to wear underneath your top so you can show? Did you, did you not, no, no, did you no. have no celebrations? No. I I'm probably one of the worst celebrations in football, so I wasn't going to make it any worse with wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> now, I've been asking um, the same sort of final question to all of our ex-pro guests recently because... Being a professional footballer comes with a couple of cheeky bonuses or sometimes a couple of cheeky embarrassments. And uh, those involve being included in the FIFA games and the football manager games. Um, have you seen the clip of some of your images uh, in the FIFA games and, and the way they, they, they've made your head look? No, I can't get any bigger. 
it's ridiculous. You can see, you can see you like anywhere on the pitch, you can spot you, Derek. And in FIFA 11, FIFA 12, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. Is, it, but, is, that, what, is that what it is? Because my boy always asked me if I was ever in FIFA, and I says, I must be, but I don't know what one it was. Was it FIFA 11 and FIFA 12? I think it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure I had you at St. Johnston in a, in, in a, some kind of career mode. <laughs> that was a lot. At least you know, I was not, I was not, but I was not bad at heading the ball, and for my head was massive. <laughs> That's for good. You were definitely a target man. But uh, the question is, have you ever played with yourself? I don't play the computer. That's (laughs) one thing I've never played. (laughs) Uh, It's not that type of show to go into other different things, but uh, my wee boy, they're all into FIFA. They're all into champ manager. I don't even think champ managers are fine now. I don't think it's more the older kids that play that. They've, they've just changed the name of it, that's all. Oh, have they? Yeah, it's just but FM. FIFA. So, nah, nah. I'm never a computer person, to be fair. I've tried it a few times, but I've never ever been very good, good at it. I mean, maybe years ago I played a wee bit. Was it Pro Evolution? Pro, Pay, yeah, Pro, Pro yeah. I like Pro Evo. Played a wee bit of that on the PlayStation, but nah, it was never really one for me. I, I was like... probably worse at the computer than I was actually playing the game, so that will tell you something. <laughs> no, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. It's just one of those questions that's a nice one to round off on, just something <laughs> nice and lighthearted at the end there. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I want you just to uh, hang no around for a couple of seconds at the end of this uh, little sign-off, but we'll say bye uh, to the listeners. Um, so, yeah, Derek Holmes, thank you very much for joining us again here on the Blue Army podcast. Will you come back again? If, you're, if the listeners want me and you'll have me, I'll definitely come back on. Ah, we'll have you on, we'll have you on. I'm hoping, Derek, to convince you to become an occasional analyst, maybe, if I can convince you to maybe uh, gag in on a couple of match reports during the season. That might be really good yeah. to hear an ex-pro's point of view about a certain game. I can obviously just send you the highlights over. It'd be quite easy for you. No, to definitely. Just... No. Awesome. As I said to you before, I'm going in 10, hopefully when the supporters are laid back in, I'll get down to a few games, you know, and we can, we can maybe meet up or hook up and we'll see, see who's all there. Yeah, we'll get something going. That's really exciting for uh, for everybody, all the listeners and myself. That's all to look forward to. So for now, Derek, thank you very much. And uh, that's enough from us. Bye for now. No Bye-bye. Hello, my name is Derek Combs and I listen to the Blue Army podcast. Give me two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! That's the end of episode 28. There's only one thing left to do. Actually, no, there's a few things left to do. Screw it. I want to thank Derek Holmes one more time for coming on to the Blue Army podcast. He was our first ever ex-pro guest, and it is a lot easier to get ex-pro guests when you've had an ex-pro guest. So we owe him an awful lot because next week on the Blue Army podcast, we are going to be joined by former Newcastle United, Port Vale, Carlisle United, Barrow, uh, Celtic Nation, uh, the list goes on. Player and manager Mark Boyd is going to be joining me on the Blue Army podcast for next week's episode, which is going to be episode 
29. So you've got that one to look forward to. Mark was an absolute delight to talk to. A gentleman pre and post interview and offered us some fantastic insight and we didn't spill all of his beans neither. So we're going to have Mark Boyd back at some point in the future to come and talk to us once more. So yeah, Mark offered some amazing insight into uh, Barrow signing Farman and Zanzala earlier on in the summer as he is the Barrow commentator for Radio Cumbria. He's kind of Barrow's version of Chris Lumston and talking about Barrow's version of Chris Lumston, I'll just Chris Lumpston in general. Mark Boyd works with Chris Lumpston at their elite coaching school and we'll talk all about that on the podcast next week. So yeah, that was a great episode. This is episode 28 in the bag. Follow us on all the worst social media sites like Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I think we're going to be starting a Twitter soon. We've got a YouTube Go over there, give us a subscribe. We're desperately trying to claw up the YouTube numbers because I want there to be a reason to put content on YouTube, to be completely honest. Uh, A couple more subscribers would be a very good reason to be putting more onto the YouTube. Right, this week's Loud and Local is attributed to one of my best friend's bands. They are a uh, a multiple-piece band. Sometimes they perform as a three-piece, a four-piece, a five-piece, a six-piece. They are a bit of a community sort of band. Their name is Bees and Blankets, and you would call them folky, I suppose. And uh, I think they are an absolute delight and give me amazing summer vibes. And that's what I want to finish this week's podcast on. Amazing summer vibes. So this is Bees in Blankets with their song Lamp Light. And it is going to finish this week's episode. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you want to get more from Bees in Blankets, you can find them on Instagram just by typing in Bees in Blankets. Blankets. I'm sure they'll come up and you'll be able to see all the fabulous stuff that they do on their Instagram. And if you want to book them for any kind of events or anything, crawl into their DMs because they're wide open for the cheeky boys. Wide open. All right. Thank you very much. This has been episode 28 of the Blue Army podcast. I have been your host, Skelly. Thank you to Derek Holmes for the interview on today's episode. Next week, we're back with Mark Boyd. And this, once again, is Bees and Blankets and their song, Lamplight. Thank you very much. Ta-ra. God bless. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Goodbye for now, Maris.
paydays are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.